Seek the Joy Tuesday. On the podcast today is Kaylin Robinson, the founder of Live Pretty Well. Kaylin is a playologist, a champion for fun and play, a relentless optimist, and a firm believer that we really have to play to be well and be our best selves. I was so excited to have Kaylin come on the podcast and to have this conversation because first of all, her energy is like so bubbly and fantastic and I felt a connection with her right away. But even more than that, I really love the work that she's doing and the messages that she's putting out there. And I was so curious to really learn more about play. So on today's episode, we really chat all about play, what it means to play, why play is important, and how you can really begin to infuse more play into your life today. We also talk about why it's really important as adults to reconnect to that playful spirit and reconnect to what it is that we loved to do as kids. We also chat about Kaylin's self-love, self-compassion, and joy journey, how her work has really made a difference in her life, and what she's learned about herself by reconnecting to fun and play. We also talked about the role of gratitude in her life and why it's so important to take that time really for yourself. That time that we think is wasting time is actually quite the opposite, and it was so fun to hear her talk about that in today's episode. Two quick things before we dive into today's episode. First of all, we are gearing up for the fourth episode in the Power of Storytelling series, and I would love for you to be part of it. To learn more and to submit your story, head over to our website and click on the Share Your Story tab and fill out our interest form, and I will get back to you ASAP. Also, thank you so much to everyone who has rated and reviewed Seek the Joy podcast on Apple iTunes. Your ratings and reviews really help us get seen by new people, and I love reading and seeing uh, the impact that this podcast has had on your life. So if you feel so inspired to leave us a rating and review, make sure you send a screenshot of that review to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. And as a way to say thank you, I will send you my brand new guide for infusing more joy into your life, as well as a couple of limited edition Seek the Joy podcast stickers. I just really wanted to create a way to say thank you and show my gratitude um, for your support of this podcast. As always, to learn more about today's episode, head over to the show notes section of our website, seekthejoypodcast.com slash show dash notes and everything is right there. Okay guys, that's it. I know you are going to love today's episode with Kaylin. It is fun and inspiring and informative. And by the end of it, you're going to want to infuse more play into your life. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Kaylin. I'm really, really honored to be having this conversation and so appreciative of the invitation. This is going to be so fun. Uh, I'm Kaylin Robinson with Live Pretty Well, and I think the best way to describe me is a relentless optimist <laughs> and a champion for fun and play. Uh, and that can look like a million different things, um, but at its core, it's really, for me, it's really about locking arms with folks to get creative on how to resurrect play and levity and laughter back into our lives, which 
as adults are often very serious, very intense, and kind of all consumed with this inescapable to-do list. So I'm really here to kind of bring back the, the fun into people's lives so that they actually enjoy being here. <laughs> I think that's so important. I love what you just said about how everything is so serious, because I feel like I say that all the time, but I feel like everything in this world and what we do and how we spend our time is... I don't know, has this lens of seriousness and there's not a lot of fun and not a lot of play. How did you get involved with this work to begin with? Yeah, and what you're saying is is totally true. And I don't mean to, I just want to make this note, like I don't want to undermine the things that are serious and the things that do deserve our attention. Um, I just think that sometimes we're we're walking around with all the weight of everyone else's stuff um, and not just kind of recognizing what's ours and what's not ours to let, to let go of what's not ours. Yeah, that's a really good point. Thank you for, for saying that because yeah. I think obviously there's a lot going on um, in our greater society and world that's that deserves that kind of seriousness and attention. But I love what you just said about how we don't always have to take it on um, as our own yeah. and let it interfere with kind of our well-being that way too. That's such a great point. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit different in today's society because we have access to so much more information than we used to, you know? And so I think that we feel more, we feel more about what's going on in, in the world around us, not whereas before it was a little bit harder to get information or the information was more centered around like what's really close to us or in our community. And so I just, I think that we are we're, we're carrying a lot more burden of the yeah. world now, I think, just because they have access to information. Yeah. But uh, in terms of, of, to get back to your original question about kind of how, how I got started with Live Pretty Well, my personal play personality type or style kind of has always been this artist creator. So I love to make things unnecessarily pretty. Like I like to make things pretty for the sake of it makes me happy and I enjoy doing it, whether it's you know, food on the table or just uh, little things around the house. I just really, it brings me joy to kind of go through that process and kind of beautify things. Uh, So living pretty well, the pretty for me kind of represents some of my play personality type. And uh, before I was doing this uh, several years ago, I was an art teacher. So I'm, that's kind of what my my degree is in, is an art education, my first degree. And, uh, I just really love making things pretty. So to me, living well has to include this element of pretty, but then kind of that play on words with pretty, with pretty well is in perfection is overrated. And so learning to kind of like let go of some of that as adults and live pretty well and maybe redefine what success means to us. And it's not live perfectly well, it's live pretty well. So Mm. that's kind of how like the live pretty well started. And kind of how I came to this, I, like I said, I was an art teacher previously, and um, I just, my husband is in the Navy, and he has a, a very serious job, if you will, and I um, have been here in San Diego for seven years, four of which have been home with my daughter for a good chunk of it, and I knew I wanted to do something, and I, I knew we'd kind of be bebopping around and moving, so I didn't always want to be looking for an art teaching job just to kind of start again in a new state every few years. So I did a little bit of introspection and figuring out what makes me me. And I knew that there was something about me that people tended to gravitate towards. And I just wanted to see what that was so I could kind of pull it out a little bit more and offer more of that to the world. 
And that turned out to look like play. And at first it looked to me like creativity because that's my play. And then once I took a little bit farther step back, I realized that just because that's my play personality type doesn't mean that's everyone's. And so then it kind of went from this creativity and learning how to infuse creativity in your life to learning how to infuse play back into your life. I love that. And so why did you land on play? Was there a history or background to that or did it just kind of feel good to you? Yeah. Um, so actually someone else uh, brought it to my attention, which was kind of fun because, you know, I've been talking about what all this is and, and kind of the direction and what is it, like, what is my gift or what is it that I have to offer? And, um, I was working with somebody who has been really instrumental in kind of getting my business off the ground. At the time she was a stranger and we had never met and we had only talked on the phone maybe once or twice. And she didn't know me. She went on my Facebook and my Instagram and she kind of looked at a couple of things and watched a couple of videos and gave me a call back. And she goes, you know, I think you're really talking about play here. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I think that's exactly what's happening. And she goes, well, just sit on it for, you know, for 24 hours and see how it feels. And I just kept coming back to it. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is it. And then the more I started to kind of learn about play and the research that's been done on it and the impacts and the benefits, it was like everything that I knew to be true was being validated. So everything that like I knew in my core and in my intuition, there's actually been other people out there all along kind of doing research on this yeah. and bringing truth to the things that I kind of already knew to be true. I love when I hear stories about how other people sort of influenced the direction of what you're doing or the name. Yeah, it's really fun when somebody super objective, like gets it. Yeah. You know, you're like, you can talk all, you can talk for, about about it with your friends, your family, and those close to you. And, and they know you sometimes, so it's a little bit harder to kind of like pinpoint it. But it's so fun when somebody kind of objective can call it out. And you're like, yeah, that's what I've, that's what it is. And I didn't even know it. I love that kind of along the same lines uh, with play and why play. I'd love maybe for you to share a little bit of what you mean when you talk about a play personality type and how, yeah. do, how do you help people kind of figure out what their play personality type is? Yeah, definitely. So play personality type, um, there's a really, really amazing book uh, that has been super, super helpful and influential for me. It's by uh, Dr. Stuart Brown. And it's called Play, How It Shapes the Brain and Opens the Imagination and Invigorates the Soul. So Dr. Stuart Brown talks about different play personality types. Um, he's done a lot of research. He actually started with looking at why mass murderers kill. I mean, why? Like, why? Yeah. So there was a shooting in Texas um, a while back, and he was working there at the time. And he was like, I need to know why people do this. And he, you know, at the time, there wasn't a whole lot of positive psychology. It was all kind of um, what is wrong with people or what might be issues in their psychology or in their brain that kind of create these. And so he was doing all this research. And one thing that he realized that he didn't even intend to find was that play deprivation, the lack of play in someone's childhood was just as significant a factor as any other factor in creating a mass murder. Oh, wow. And I think that that's really significant, especially if you look at what's happening in our world today, is there is a really big play deprivation. So it's really interesting. So then he started kind of shifting his focus to, to researching and understanding play. Um, and he's one of the very few people and definitely kind of the one who's been doing it the longest on play in adults. There's a lot of play research on how it developed, you know, how in children's brains, but 
but yeah, it's just super interesting that, you know, play is how we learn. It's how we adapt. And without it as a child, you, you can't function in society. Um, and he talks about play personality types and what he, his approach is he does these kind of these play histories, um, which is kind of similar to what I do when I work with people. And right now, my main way of kind of promoting play is through working with people one-on-one through coaching. Um, I know this is just kind of my first little baby step, and, and I will always be coaching, but I know that there'll be, I'll be doing more in the future. But um, So when I coach with people one-on-one, the very first thing we do is we kind of talk about, we try to determine different play personality types. Um, and that is kind of through just a conversation about what you enjoy, what you did when you were a kid, kind of the things you remember loving and your fondest experiences, um, which is a little bit kind of like your, your play history. Uh, and, and then it doesn't always equate exactly. So let's say, for instance, that you, when you were little, you loved playing with Barbies or dolls. And now if I were to tell somebody, oh, yeah, go do that, they'd be like, that doesn't sound fun or, <laughs> you know, that's not my jam right now. I'm an adult and that just isn't going to fulfill me in the same way. But what you can do is you can say, okay, well, playing with dolls or Barbies, that's a storyteller type of personality, play personality, or um, that's a director type of personality type where you're kind of directing this play and kind of organizing it. And so then what you can do once you start to understand what your play personality type is, is you can say, okay, well, what in the adult world kind of is a storytelling activity that might bring me joy? Like perhaps going to a play or reading a book or going to the movies or that type of thing where there's kind of this narrative. So that's the first thing that I do when I work with people. And it's interesting because I think, when people think about what I do, they think that, okay, I'm going to help them find their play personality type and then just like give them a litany of uh, activities or things, which is definitely not true. That's not the case. So the first step is to kind of do a little bit of self-discovery and that's really fun. But even though I call myself a coach, it's really more of this conversation that we have. And I just try to guide it with really uh, pointed questions, like trying to ask the right questions to get people to think about things in a different way, different perspective. Um, so once they kind of understand that, everyone is uh, at a lack of time, right? Like no one has enough time to add more things to their list. And if you're feeling stressed out about adding something to your day, then it's not going to be fun. Mm-hmm. So trying to get creative on how to add some of those things back in so that it doesn't feel overwhelming is kind of the next step and kind of really getting my, I think my role is to just get creative with people and try to get them to think about things or conceptualize things in a, in a new way and to also kind of go um, do a little bit of inner work. Uh, and then after that, we kind of come up with a game plan. So what does it look like? And, and it's really just like trial and error for a while. And it's testing and it's gathering information. And um, I wholeheartedly believe in following your curiosity. So it's like, okay, what? It's just kind of like, what's that little whisper in your ear this week? And try it out and let's test it and come back and see how it went. And then we end up doing that for a while and kind of supporting people along the way with accountability and encouragement and remembering, too, that, like, like this is all in an effort to seek the joy, right? It's all in an effort yeah. to play and have fun and bring that levity back 
to our lives. Oh, I love this. And I love your process of working with clients. And it sounds like a lot to me, especially when you were talking about, you know, what did you enjoy to do as a kid? These are things that I've I've never thought of before. So as you're working with clients or even for your own life and your experience, what are some major shifts or benefits that kind of start to come out of infusing more more play into your life? So I like to think about it in kind of these three categories of like really overarching benefits. The first one is sustained optimism. You know, when you're able to play and have this kind of this humor and this levity and this laughter back in your life, you are happier. I'm sure that's not surprising, (laughs) but I think it's really like underrated, you know, like when you are playing, you're living kind of a more enjoyable life, which serves you in so many ways. Uh, including, you know, creativity and innovation. I mean, that's just, that, that doesn't happen unless you're tinkering or, you know, playing or kind of stepping out of your, you know, your responsible adult role of the, the nine to five and the getting the groceries and folding laundry, like creativity and innovation doesn't happen in folding laundry. Mm-hmm. Like it, it happens when you are just kind of like messing around. And I think people have, such a fear of wasting time um, that it's that like that's what happened that's why we don't play as adults because there's this this perception that play is not productive which is actually not true at all because some of the greatest things happen when you take a break or try something new or just kind of like mess around a little bit um so that's one thing is the sustained optimism which is just good for your quality of life, I would say. Um, The second is there's really concrete health benefits, you know, everything from your immune health to your heart health to all sorts of just like physical things that can be measured in your body. And it's amazing to me. We want to be healthy. We know how to eat. We know how to exercise. We know to drink water. We know to get sleep, but we really don't know how to like let go a little bit and like loosen up and just, yeah. you know, let her hair down a little bit. But that really, I mean, I took a whole course in the science of happiness through, uh, edX, uh, through, um, the greater good science center at UC Berkeley, which is a fantastic information there. Super measurable in terms of our physical health. And the coolest thing that impacts on our physical health is our brain. I think it's no surprise that kids learn and grow and develop their brain through play and experimenting and kind of independent learning that way and interacting with other people. But that continues as adults, and we're like the only species that that's true for. Um, most mammals play at some point in their juvenile period, but at then at some point it gets too risky for them to continue to play. Kind of the, the benefits, you know, are outweighed by the dangers, and that's not true for us. We can still do the higher level thinking, critical thinking and creativity and all of that stuff. Our brain actually literally grows through play and that's how we adapt. Oh, wow. It's so fun. So one, sustained optimism, two, physical health, and then three is the connections with others. And this one I think is is huge. And this is what I think everyone can see around us right now. Whether it's deepening your relationships with the people that you already have in your life and that you love. Um, I know that, you know, people are really unsatisfied with their marriages. They're feeling lonelier than ever. They've got fewer friends than ever, even though we're all connected, you know, digitally. And then beyond that, you know, our connections with 
of society at large. And um, kind of these really, really deep and very dangerous divisions among us are um, a really big problem. And I think that part of the problem here is that we're not playing together. We're not Mm-hmm. Uh, interacting in that way, and and it's really truly amazing how big of a divide play can bridge that we just aren't engaging in that way. So, yeah. So those I think are the three main kind of categories of benefit, and you know, science has my back on that one, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I love what you said about how it's about fostering that creativity and that innovation. And this reminds me of um, a conversation I was having the other day where it was, we don't make enough room for ourselves to have that downtime, to have that space to be yeah. bored, because it's really within that space that that creativity can sort of start stirring. I mean, if everything is so scheduled and micromanaged, it's like, where's the space? Where's the room to start to really explore who you are and what yeah. you're excited about? And um, so I just love the space that you make for yourself and your clients with the work that you're doing. Yeah. And it's really hard because it really goes against everything that we've kind of been taught since we were school-aged. Yeah. Um, um, which is really, which, you know, um, is kind of the hardest part about all of this. Like, it's easy to, to help people kind of uncover their play personality types. It's, it's relatively easy to help people kind of figure out fun things to do. The hard part is kind of undoing this this sense that, like, we have to have every minute, you know, accounted for and be productive every second. And yeah. um and that's where the magic lives. And you have to make space for, like, the, the cool things that you don't know are going to happen. Yeah. I mean, if you have everything planned out, then you think you're in charge, but you're not. And you're actually really limiting your potential while you're here. If you leave a little bit of space for the unknown, you might be just blown away with what happens in that little time. For anybody that's listening to this podcast and wants to kind of infuse more play into your life, what would be your number one, I guess, tip um, for something that they can do to start now? Yeah, it's so hard because everyone is so different. But what happens when you don't play is, and I think many many people can relate to this and kind of feel like this is is their life, is things kind of become really uh, brittle. Uh, really rigid and inflexible and a lot of people tend to feel kind of like super stressed or really trapped or um, like there's no kind of excitement or like a lot of people are feeling like there's something else out there but they're just not sure what and they're doing the thing they're doing everything right like they're doing everything they were supposed to do or should do but there's still something that they're feeling like is kind of missing you know you could have the perfect job and you can have the awesome family but if you're not making time and space to kind of play and be in enjoying it with yourself and the things that you like, then you're still going to kind of feel like you're missing out on something. So what to do? Um, I would say the first thing is like, are you willing to even kind of go against the grain here and, and take time to quote, I'm doing air quotes here, like waste time. Like, are you willing to waste time? You know, ask yourself that question first, because if you're not, then, um, then you might not, yet even be ready to, but then, then if you're not, if the answer is no, then why not? I would start, start there. Are you willing to kind of waste time playing? And if you aren't, then kind of uncover a little bit, kind of ask yourself why and and figure that out a little bit more. And if you are, then I would kind of go back and figure out what brings you joy. I would totally recommend the book that I mentioned, Play by Dr. Stuart Brown. 
and just start to kind of make a little bit more space. So when I work with people, we t- I talk about kind of these two different types of play. One is this kind of schedule. So if it's important to you, you prioritize it and you kind of make time for it. Basically blocking out empty time and then you can kind of see what comes up for you, even if it's just like doodling or coloring or journaling or walking. Um, And then the other part, I think this part takes longer, is kind of this um, responding to your environment in a more playful way. So I always challenge people to notice, begin to notice how you're responding to situations that you're in, to people that you encounter, and see once a day you can make a conscious choice to respond with a little bit more levity, a little mm-hmm. bit of irony, a little bit of humor. You know, if there's some way, you know, like, for instance, my, I have a daughter. She's four and a half, uh, and she's this tiny human with a giant personality. <laughs> and there's, there's times where she's having a moment. She's having a four-year-old moment. And I can respond in a way that's like my autopilot mom way which is like, okay, Nora, like we just, I'm sorry you're feeling this way, but you got to put your socks and shoes on. We have to go to school, you know, or I can just start playing a song and dancing around and forget about her shoes and socks for a second and change the tone. And then it's just a totally different outcome. Like maybe it takes two seconds longer, but maybe it doesn't because I probably would have just been arguing with her. for But, you know, once I change the tone, then she's a lot more willing to cooperate or, you know, kind of be on board. So moments like that, there's there, you have opportunities, you have a million opportunities every single day to engage with the world around you in a way that kind of brings lightness and laughter and humor and levity to your, not just yourself, but the people around you. And when you start to play more in your own life, you spread this energy that I think the world desperately needs. Oh, I love that. And sort of along the same lines of what you were just talking about now, I'd love to talk to you about your journey and kind of getting to this space with play and joy in your life. Was there kind of a moment for you where you decided you needed more play in your life? Yeah, that's a really great question. And um, I don't think that there's necessarily like an instant where I was like, okay, something has to change. I think that for me, it's always, I've always, like I said, I've always been a creator. I've always enjoyed kind of making things and I've always been this optimist. (laughs) Maybe not to this extent. I think I've definitely, you know, I've uh, had uh, phases in my life where I've been a super overachiever, which not to say that those things are mutually exclusive, but I I would say I'm a lot more kind of like, I'm leaning way more into this more relaxed, kind of approach to life than this super overdrive approach that I once had. And I I think some of that is just a product of of what has happened in my life. Being married to my husband, Jason, and as I mentioned, he's in the military and has a very serious job where there's like, there's not a whole lot of play there. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not really the MO of the military. They can't, they can't do what they need to do and kind of have that environment. So, um, just kind of being met with some of that has made me re-examine a little bit about, you know, how I how I approach life. And 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 it's funny because he's in the military, but he is like the one of the most faithful people. But I think mean, mm-hmm. that's why I married him. 
Yeah. Um, we actually just had an anniversary, and I was reflecting on that about you know like that was just such a huge draw to me, and I think that that that's what keeps love alive for the long term is if you know listening to each other and caring about each other is super important but having these experiences where you actually are laughing and enjoying the time spent together is ultimately kind of what keeps people satisfied and happy and in love for for the long haul uh my my daughter when she was born uh was born almost two months early and she was in the NICU for six weeks, and I think things shifted for me just becoming a mom, not necessarily at that time because that was obviously really stressful. But um, so if you're not a parent and you're an adult, it's really easy to lose sight of play mm-hmm. because no one else around you is necessarily playing. But if you have a child, play is a huge part of their everyday. Like it's pretty much all of their everyday. Yeah. And so it's really um, kind of brought that in center again, if you notice it. And of course you do as a mom, because you're the one on the floor playing with them. And I have to say some of it is like the best time ever. And some of it isn't like I played Moana. Like we reenacted the whole <laughs> movie probably 5,000 times. Oh my gosh. After 4,000, like, I'm kind of done. It's not fun for me anymore. No. So then, (laughs) (laughs) so, and I think that, you know, parents will relate to that statement. It's like, yes, you want to play with your kids, but sometimes you don't want to play the way they want to play. Um, And you do because that's your role. But I, I, but I think that is not necessary. That wasn't always fulfilling to me and fulfilling my need to play. Um, but play was a part of my world and it was in my, you know, it was in my focus, it was in my frontal lobe there, but I wasn't the one playing the way I wanted to play. And so then I kind of started to think about, well, what does that look like for me? And am I making time to do that? And I know that when I don't, everything is more chaotic. And the thing that I noticed, it's interesting, is that I don't listen as well to other people Hmm. when I'm not playing. When I am playing, I am so much better at being a human for others, you know, like I, some of my needs are met and I do feel like play is a basic need. When that is met, then I can be a better mom, a more supportive wife, and I can listen, like truly listen to people without all the chaos swirling around in my own head about my own stuff. So it's like people think it's selfish to play or they think that it's a luxury. But if you want to be a better human, I think it's essential. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because you're making that time for yourself. Otherwise, I think we start to combust, (laughs) you know, and and life just becomes so much harder. So then what are some things that you do for yourself um, to bring more play into your life or or what does play look like for you now? I mean, it sounds like your daughter obviously plays a big role in that. Yeah, yeah. And I totally I want to just comment too on what you said about, you know, whether it's play or taking time for ourselves, I think that they're one and the same. And I, I mm-hmm. want to be clear about kind of how I uh, define play. Um, you know, it's not always like games or, you know, a dance class or something to that extent. I think, you know, meditating or sitting down and reading a book, time away from your phone. Like, I think mm-hmm. that all of that, I would kind of consider some degree of play. You know, play really is defined by anything that you're doing where you're totally, completely in the moment. Play is synonymous with mindfulness. Like if you want to practice mindfulness, but you're not one to sit on a yoga mat or meditate, 
play. It's the same thing. You get the same benefits because you're really taken out of, you're not worrying about what's going to happen next. You're not, you know, upset about what's already happened or kind of rehearsing things in your head. You're fully engaged in the moment. And when you're doing that and you're enjoying yourself, I would consider that play. Oh, I love that. Thank you for explaining that, by the way. And I love what you said about it being synonymous with mindfulness. Oh, I just, I love it. I think so many people are going to relate to this. Yes. And I think that, you know, and that makes it a little bit easier to understand play because people understand mindfulness. Like that's kind of fuzzy and that's all over the place right now. So we're starting to understand the benefits and what that looks like and what that means. And then I think the other thing that I would relate it to or kind of challenge, I guess, is the other thing that's kind of, I think, in my realm, at least, buzzing around is self-care. And I saw something, I think, on Instagram the other day. And it's like self-care is not, you know, manicures and massages or something. And it just <laughs> kind of made me giggle because, you know, really taking care of yourself, like those things, yes, do it. That's great. I hope you do. And taking care of yourself means in order to take care of yourself, you need to know yourself. And in order to know yourself, you need to like spend a little bit of time with yourself, Mm -hmm. which most of us don't do. And I definitely say play is self-care. You know, it's a deeper level, a more meaningful way of practicing self-care. Like I said, when I play, I'm a better human for the people around me because I'm taking care of myself. And then I think you asked (laughs) how kind of what that looks like for me. So playing with my daughter and being my goal and I mean, I'll be totally honest, like, again, not perfect, doesn't happen every day, but my goal, what I aim for is to give her 10 totally full attention moments with her, like undivided, and and I'm not directing it. So this sounds so simple. You're like, okay, you're a mom, like, duh, spend 10 minutes with your kids. (laughs) But for the parents out there, like, I challenge you to actually pay attention to your day with your kids. Most of the time, we're hustling and bustling them around, or we're playing with them, but we're directing the play. We're the ones kind of saying, like, oh, how about this value over here does this, instead of just Mm -hmm. honestly sitting back and letting them tell you what to do. And my daughter is very good at that. (laughs) She's very good at, like, (laughs) telling telling me what to do. And um, I think part of us as adults is, like, it's difficult to just listen to that and go along with it. And you'll probably learn a lot about your child that way Mm -hmm. as well. But giving her 10 minutes of my undivided attention and time, and that that just helps me because it nurtures our relationship. And it gets me out of whatever I think I need to do, which in our house, we're really trying not to say I need to do because there's very few things that we actually need to do. Um, But uh, the other things that that I like to do for me is I like to walk a lot and uh, I live close to the beach so that's really enjoyable. I like to read and write when I'm not kind of like doodling. One of my favorite things is to create events like around my daughter's birthday in particular. So uh, just go overboard with it in terms of like decorations and invitations and all of that and it has honestly nothing to do with her I mean it has something to do with her but really it's like um I really day where she's like oh my god mom we're not doing a party so embarrassing and I'm gonna like cry my eyes out because that is so much play and enjoyment for me so I love to cook and think about not just how it tastes but how it looks and I cook a lot by colors and um Right now, I'm kind of struggling because we're in this transition. Uh, this whole first couple months of the year, I've been 
bebopping around and traveling, which has been amazing. And I've just been trying to be fully present with where I am. I was in Montana and then I was at this amazing retreat. And then um, my husband and I spent two weeks in Iceland. Which looked beautiful, by the way. Ooh, oh my gosh, it was <laughs> incredible. It was such an adventure. It was definitely a change from our San Diego, sunny, sunny San Diego pace. Oh, I but, can um, imagine. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess travel is another way. I, I really do like to so an explorer is another play personality type and I really love to explore and learn and um be surrounded by beautiful things. Taking pictures is fun. I by no means a photographer, but I really enjoy that. Oh, I love that. I love how everything too is so varied and diverse. And I just think, just think it goes to show that there's never one right way to do this. You know, it's, it's totally. really about what feels good to you and what will work for you. And it goes right back to really unearthing and uncovering that, that play personality type with everything you have going on. And it sounds like it's been a little chaotic, but a lot of fun, you know, within it, with all the traveling, how have you been able to stay fully present? I guess within all of that chaos, do you return to play or do you have um, a spiritual practice or is your play the spiritual practice? Yeah, that's really interesting that you even bring that up in terms of kind of them being kind of one and the same because I, that resonates with me a lot. And at the moment, I am feeling a little bit of anxiety, to be totally honest with you, just because on top of all that traveling and mentioned, we're actually moving into we own We own a home in San Diego, and we're uh, in the process of moving up to Monterey, California, and renting out our place and all that stuff. So I noticed, I actually said to my mom the other day, I was like, I am not doing great because I haven't had the time to myself. Yeah. Um, I love people and I really, I feel like I'm friendly. It's easy for me to get to know people and to make friends and make connections, but I'm like an introverted extrovert, you know, like I, I, I need a lot of space and time Mm -hmm. to myself. And a lot of times it's not even like doing anything in particular. Like it's just being alone and not feeling rushed or not feeling like there's a million things on my list of things to do that day. Um, and that's when I feel my best because I can feel a little bit of ease and like, I, I don't know, just having that time to myself. I, I love the time in the morning. Like I usually will take my daughter to school and then just sitting and grabbing coffee sometimes is like my meditation. I would love to say that I am in a meditation practice because it's so valuable. And when I do it regularly, it makes a really big difference, but um, again, if I'm being honest, it's not necessarily a part of my yeah. everyday, but having time to myself every day, uh, even if it's just 5, 10, 15 minutes to do something or nothing, you know, take a bath or write something down or let my mind kind of be still is, is when I feel the best. And I think even now with all of this craziness happening, that's my goal. My goal is to at least have a few minutes. And the thing is, is like, if it's not intentional, then you know what happens. We just hop on our phone and scroll, scroll, scroll. Mm -hmm. And then we wasted that time. And so I, for me, putting everything down, not looking at the, you know, Craigslist Monterey housing market, like that stuff is not what I need. Just a few minutes of nothingness, which doesn't necessarily mean meditation, but just to kind of sit and assess how I'm feeling that day. There's three questions I love to ask myself. What am I grateful for? And as many days as I can start my day this way, it's super helpful. What am I grateful for? What am I committed to doing today? And who am I going to send love to? 
and it can be sometimes just a mental thought or prayer, sometimes it's a text message, sometimes it's a card in the mail, but that really helps me kind of get focused and then also keep some perspective, you know, on what's important. And and I, I'm sure you know this through all of your conversations and, and um, understanding of joy and finding it is the fastest way to joy is through gratitude. And mm-hmm. you really can't have joy without gratitude. Um and so having a gratitude practice to me is just as important as having, that is my spiritual practice. You know, oh, I love that it. That and play, gratitude and play, and and your life will just become magically enhanced. <laughs> oh, I love that. You know, this is funny. So when I when I have conversations with people, I have a little piece of paper and I, I just scribble while they're talking different things that are popping up in my mind. It's just a good way for me to kind of organize myself. And in the middle yeah. of you talking, I wrote the word gratitude. And then you started talking about the three questions you ask yourself. And because I was going to ask you, you know, about gratitude, because I do think yeah. so much of joy and play and even balance too is about having that gratitude and within those three questions that you ask yourself do you journal or is it kind of like a mental thing that you you do every day or or do you do it in the morning I mean what does that look like yeah I have had phases where I have like a really solid awesome morning routine um, and then I have phases where I don't. Because I would have phases of, uh, you know, periods of months at a time where I would meditate, I would ask, journal on those three questions, I would do a little bit of exercise, and I would feel really, really awesome. And then what I found was when I wasn't doing that kind of strict regimen, morning regimen, I would have a lot of guilt because I'm like, oh, I should be doing this. Mm. I should be doing that. I feel so much better when I do this. But then I was making it, like, exponentially worse by thinking about how it's missing in my life. And so I've tried to ease up. And I think that that is key in all of this. And 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 finding joy and play is honestly, like, all of it, like, lighter. Like, if there's one word I could say, like, lighter. Lighten up and give yourself some room and give yourself some grace. Give yourself some credit for the things you're already doing. And that's what I had to do with myself, too, is I was like, okay, this isn't going to happen every single day of my life the way – I would love it to happen, but you know, it's just life happens and it yeah. doesn't. So yeah. some days I journal on it. Some days I just think about it. Um, I do love to put little post-its around like in my car and on my mirror. And I found that if I don't change them, they just kind of start to blend into the walls. Like they, I just don't mm-hmm. notice them anymore. So yeah. I, I have to switch them up. Um, but if there's something that I'm trying to remind myself with, you know, where, whether it's like go easy on yourself or, send more love to people you've got plenty of extra or whatever you know what more can I do or take all the challenges as lessons or whatever it is I'm feeling like I need in my life I try to like just put little reminders all over and there's been times too where my gratitude practice looks like right filling out you know a whole journal page at night before I go to bed it just kind of ebbs and flows and I think allowing yourself that flexibility and also understanding that like it doesn't have to be perfect. Again, if you don't do the same thing every single day, that's okay. And in fact, it's probably good because at some point you kind of just get used to it. I learned in the class that I took, the science of happiness. Uh, so they did an experiment with the students taking the, taking a course and they assigned, there were three kind of groups of students. One group of students didn't do anything differently. The other two groups of students were, were asked if they'd be willing to do random acts of kindness. And of course they agreed. One group, was supposed to do a random act of kindness every day for three days, five days in a row, but just one small act of kindness. And the other group was supposed to do all five, but like all in one day. 
Hmm. And they measured to see kind of the impact on the students who were, you know, doing the random acts of kindness. And they found that the ones who did kind of this like surge of random acts of kindness all in one day actually had the greatest benefit in terms of their increased happiness. And I was like, wow, that's surprising. I would think like if you did it kind of throughout the, the week, would be a bigger impact, but I think it's just, we kind of get used to it. So Mm -hmm. the reward, you know, the endorphin reward from that just wasn't as high. And so I don't feel like you have to do the same thing because I think you need to mix it up. You know, just listen to your intuition. You know, you, you will tell yourself if you actually listen instead of, we're always trying to control it all. And we think we know best. Like we think like our, in our brain, we know best when really, I think our intuition and our deeper selves are giving us clues all the time if we just kind of make space to be quiet and are willing to listen. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I, but I do think too, for so many of us, getting to that space where you can hear your intuition or, or even have that connection with yourself, I think, I don't know, I think for so many, there's that resistance. Does, can I really, can I yeah. really hear myself that way? Listen to my intuition? Can I really build or develop that connection? Have you always had that yeah. kind of connection to your intuition or has it been something you've developed over time? Yeah, I definitely, it's taken a lot of time and practice to develop. Uh, and you have to be willing, right? Because mm-hmm. there's just an element of surrender that's scary because you don't really know exactly what's going to come up. And something, sometimes the things that come up are like, not so awesome, <laughs> yeah. you know, or, or they're surprising to you or they're hard to, I don't know. It's just, we like to be in control and we like to know that kind of we have the power to influence what's happening next in our life. And, and I think for me, it really happened. This, it was a pretty big shift. Uh, again, I was born and she was born really unwell. I mean, if I'm being honest, it's mm-hmm. just, she was just not in a great physical place and we were in the NICU for six weeks and I was not able to be a mom the way most people are able to be a mom. I was not the primary caregiver of my child. Mm -hmm. You know, she was in the hands of of dozens of other folks and I was there and I was present, um, but I wasn't taking care of her. And when she finally came home, I had all these voices. I called them the NICU voices (laughs) and all these voices in my head telling me, oh, you know, they would wake her up every three hours for example, to like check her vitals and her. And um, so I would feel like I would need to wake her up every three hours. And then I was like, Kaylin, oh my gosh, don't wake her. Like, let her sleep. She's a, <laughs> you know, she's a baby. Yeah. And I just had all these things in my head like that I felt I should do um, because I was scared. I, mm-hmm. I mean, that was a very, very clear, it was very clear to me. It was fear. And I had to listen to what they had told me this whole time instead of trusting my mommy intuition. And it took me a long time to finally have the confidence to listen to my mommy intuition. And once I finally did, it totally changed my relationship with her and everything got so much easier. And, um, but it was scary because I, I, I was like, who am I to know what to do? Like, uh, they're the ones that are trained. They're the ones that kept her, you know, alive for six weeks. So it's hard because sometimes your intuition isn't telling you the same things that you think to be true or that you're told by the quote unquote expert to be mm-hmm. true. Um, and so it takes a lot of courage, I think, a lot of courage to to listen and then even more courage to believe your intuition. 
Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think your experience is such a good example of, you know, you may have a truth for yourself and what you believe and what your instincts tell you and, but society or the experts or whoever else it might be, you know, is, is telling you something different. And I think at some point yeah. I, we all have, we all eventually get to this space where you start to have more confidence and believe in yourself and trust your voice and really yeah. grow into your voice that way too. And your truth. And it sounds like like really the experience with your daughter and that experience is what really helped you kind of really step into, I guess, owning your voice and being confident that way and, and really trusting yourself. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. And you know, it's, it's interesting. I've had a conversation with somebody like, does it have to include some sort of hardship or adversity yeah. or challenge in order to kind of get there? And I don't have the answer for that, but I think most of the time that's where there's kind of a turning point. You know, I think it's more challenging if you don't have a catalyst, like that you, that is kind of requiring that of you. So, um, that's interesting too. You're so spot on. I mean, I'm thinking about my own life and, and some of the people that I've spoken to and it's really, it does, I think it does take that moment of hardship or difficulty or where you're really forced into a moment where, you have to assess, you know, what is your truth and what feels good to you. And because um, otherwise, you know, we just spend our lives listening to the advice of someone else. And at some point it's like, mm -hmm. does this actually align with who I am and what I want to do? And I think so many of us are really now beginning to, I don't know, go through that process of taking that step back and going, okay, what are my instincts telling me? What is it that I think I yeah. should do? And and then really going forward and doing that. It's interesting how it, it kind of does take a hardship or a difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. Or even being set up with something, you know, like just kind of a lot of people, it's like, I just was tired of it happening the way it's been happening because that wasn't fulfilling. Um, but yeah, it, there's a, there's usually, I think, a pivot point for people. And, um, and I just, I, I, that's partly why I'm doing this huge mm -hmm. as to why I'm doing the work I'm doing because I don't want people to wake up when they're, you know, 50 or 60 or later, or I mean, even younger, really, it doesn't matter what age. I don't want people to wake up and be like, what did I spend my life doing? Like I spent my life paying bills, doing laundry, running the mm -hmm. kids to soccer practice. When was I supposed to live? Like, when was I supposed to enjoy myself? And, you know, there's studies, I'm sure you've heard about, like, the, the hospice studies, and they, they ask people, like, you know, the, the common things that people say on their deathbed. And one is, like, I wish I would have allowed myself to have fun and enjoy and, you know, feel joy. And it's just really interesting that, that we don't allow ourselves that more, you know, that's... Yeah. That's why we're here, you know, and, and when I talk to people about taking a 10 minutes out of their day, I try to do some math for them and put it into perspective and like figure out the number of minutes that they're awake average mm -hmm. in a day. And if you do the math on it, you know, if you take a 10, 10, 15 minute, like quote unquote break to do something or to do nothing, <laughs> uh, even better, then it's like 1% of your waking time. And if you can't, take 1% of your waking day to do something that you enjoy. That's why you're here to yeah. live and enjoy yourself. And you, you offer a lot to others when you are enjoying yourself. You are, you're better to those around you. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, last week I was going, going, going. I didn't make any time for balance or breaks. And by Friday afternoon, I was exhausted. Like I, I had to take the yeah. afternoon off because 
my brain was fried. I was emotionally fried. And, and it just goes to show, you know, you really need to spend that 10 minutes, just 10 minutes. But yeah, when you're yeah. so resistant to it, I think it's hard, you know, to convince yourself, right? It is. Throughout all of this and yeah. um, your journey to, you know, becoming a playologist, which I love that term, mm -hmm. by the way, <laughs> and the work that you're doing and just everything you've done with your family too. What do you think you've learned the most about yourself? Well, some of the things you're just saying, you know, about kind of how to be better for other people is what I've really learned. And, and I've learned, too, how to be a better listener, which I know we talked about earlier. And I've also, I'm not sure that I've learned this about myself necessarily, but I've definitely learned this to be true, that, you know, just like we were saying, taking just 10 minutes, um, I think a lot of times people get overwhelmed with any sort of change. And so I'm a really, really, really big proponent of, like, supporter of tiny, 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 tiny little micro shifts. You know, what can you do that is completely doable? Because if it's not completely doable, it's really not going to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. And you can always build on it. And, and you might be surprised at like the, how the tiniest change actually measures up to a really big difference in your life. And that's true for me in my own life. And that's definitely what I preach is like, these, like I'm talking like so small that you would be embarrassed to report back to me that you didn't do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to do this thing. Because I think, you know, and I just was working with a group of people for New Year's resolutions and basically trying to make New Year's resolutions fun. So taking whatever it was that they wanted to aim for and making, trying to make the process more enjoyable kind of along the way. And that, that we're very goal-oriented, which is great. But I think also it, we don't reach our goals because we aim too high or we don't have a really good strategy plan to get there or we don't enjoy the process of it. And so smaller changes and making them enjoyable because if you don't enjoy it or if it's too much work, you're just not going to do it. And you can have the best intentions in the world, but it's not going to improve your life and it's not going to be sustainable. I think we all kind of want to save the world, but honestly, I think the best thing that we could all contribute to the world is our best and truest energy. And in order to do that, you have to understand who you are and understand what lights you up and then actually be okay with giving some of your time to those things that might, quote unquote, be a waste of time. Because I think we kind of save the world while we're wasting time. <laughs> yeah. And I would even go as so far as to say that it's about reframing it for ourselves, too, that yes. it's actually not that waste of time that we've been led to believe that it is. It's actually a key component to being healthy and happy. And, you know, we are so uh, work and career focused and minded, especially, I think, in the Western world and in the United States. And the more you can spend that time by yourself, for yourself, with friends, being goofy, mm -hmm. having fun and laughing and just being lighter, like you said earlier, I think yeah. it really, it'll help your work and it'll help your career and it, it can only be good and have a positive impact. And so I just, I love totally. everything that you've been saying. And what are you most excited for this year? Oh man, this is a really big year for us. Um, and yeah, I did want to say it's not a waste of time. I, I, I do air quotes every time, even though we're on the phone. <laughs> um, because I'm totally insert not air quotes here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, insert air quotes. Um, what I'm excited about this year, like I said, is a really big transition period. I actually kind of feel like 2018 is just beginning for me because I've kind of been bebopping around and um, over the place 
so far, but I'm really excited to do more than coaching. Uh, I, like I said, I love coaching and I love kind of having these conversations and these relationships one-on-one with people, but I'm really excited to step into a bigger part and have more of a conversation around play and joy and creativity. I will always coach, but I want to contribute and kind of be in this space with other people, just like yourself where you're, I, I can influence people that I may never meet or kind of um, they'll hear my voice or that something will land on them that was like, oh, that's what I needed to hear. I am excited to have opportunities to be that person for people that I will never know. Oh, yes. And I think this is the year, really, in my opinion, to really begin this work of joy and play and gratitude and fun. And, um, I don't know about you, but I really feel a shift and maybe it's just what I'm surrounding myself with and the people that I'm talking to, but I really think things are changing and I'm, I think you are in the right place, right? At the right time doing what you love and what really lights you up and, and gets you excited. And what, what would you say is your biggest dream? Uh, I think the biggest dream is kind of, uh, is more of what I said for this year, but bigger. Yeah. <laughs> I've always, you know, I, I, several years ago, I had a conversation with a friend and I was like, I don't know how to say this without sounding really like vain or self-centered, but like, I want to leave a legacy. And what I mean by that is I want to be a person that, you know, maybe even a generation or two from now, somebody somehow stumbles across my work, whether it's in a book or uh, a speech or something, and it will, it will, they will never be able to trace it back to me, or I will never be able to trace it back to them. Or somehow there's a concept that gets out there that just kind of becomes common knowledge or a quote or a phrase that's used all the time that maybe doesn't even get traced back to me, mm-hmm. um, but is just influenced so many people or so many kind of like for the long haul, you know, generation after generation. I would love to be a part of um, what you're saying, this change, the shift that's happening. And I think with ev- it always ebbs and flows. So with all of this kind of division and um, aggression that I think is we're experiencing in our mm-hmm. society, yeah. there's all these other people rising up on the other side that are kind of, I don't want to say fighting it because it's not, it's just like, it's just resistance and kind of balance because I think everything is always kind of in balance and kind of going back and forth. And so I, I think what people are also starting to realize with that movement is this, like I said, this mindfulness and this self-care is that that is part of our health. We think of our health as what we eat and how we exercise, but it's broader than that. And I would love to be part of that conversation as that starts to kind of like be mainstream you know, that our health is actually our mental health and our well-being and our consciousness. You are part of that end of it and that movement. And especially with the work that you're doing with the emphasis on play and fun. And I have loved having this conversation with you. And um, where can everyone find you and your work and get more involved? Thank you so much. I feel like this was just an opportunity that I'm over the moon about because this is exactly what I want to be doing is talking to people like you. Uh, So my main kind of hub is on Instagram and it's at live.pretty.well. You can also find me on Facebook, kind of the same thing, live pretty well, play and be awesome. Uh, You can do that on Facebook. I have a website, liveprettywell.com and there you can reach me. There's, I'm happy to field any text 
emails, anything. I do consultations with folks for free just because I really want to see where people are at and how we can serve them. So please find me and follow along. And oh, I love it. Perfect. And I will include everything in the show notes for today's episode. So it'll be super easy for everyone to find you and live pretty well. And so I just so appreciate you coming on and, and sharing uh, your passions and your play and your joy with uh, with all of us. Thank you so much, Sydney.